Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Athletic Greens. Okay, listen. This time of year is getting busy and keeping up with the supplements and vitamins you want to take in a day can be one more thing on your long list of tasks. But AG1 by Athletic Greens truly makes it super simple. You can incorporate all the nutrients you need into your day with just one scoop. It is the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. And AG1 is powerful because it is so easy to fit into your lifestyle. You just mix one scoop of powder into cold water once a day. Every scoop is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality. They give us major benefits like, get ready, here's the list. Gut and mood support. Thank you both. Boosted energy. Excellent. And even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. Yes. And it supports your immune system. And if you're traveling a lot, their single serving travel packs are lifesavers. Just throw a pack in your bag and they make it so easy to bring along with you. You don't have to set a reminder to order it or worry about running out because AG1 is delivered like clockwork every month. So it's super easy to make it a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, AG1 is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. That's athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with my friend, Dr. Russell Moore. Gracious, I respect this man so much. You may remember him from episode 249 or know his work as the editor-in-chief at Christianity Today. Dr. Moore's latest book, Losing Our Religion, an ultra call for Evangelical America, released August 1st. It is an important challenge to the church to actually live out the gospel instead of letting cynicism and division tear us apart and define what the world sees in Christianity. In this book, he calls us to conversion over culture wars, to truth over tribalism, to the gospel over politics, to integrity over influence, and we talk about a lot of that today. I am just so honored that he would take time to be with us. I'm always appreciative of Dr. Moore's wise voice of reason and his ability to speak truth in confusing moments in our culture. I think you're really going to learn a lot from him today. So here is my conversation with Dr. Russell Moore. 
Dr. Moore, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm Thanks so for having me. I'm so glad you're here. It is such an honor to sit in a room with you. I know. It's great so, to be in person thank and you. to see your place and everything. Yeah, thank you. Okay, I want to start. Let's honor Tim Keller for a minute. Ooh, mm-hmm. I mean, what does he know that we don't know? Everything. Everything. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. just, I just imagine what a joy it was when he got there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he, he said to uh, several people right at the very end, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to be with Jesus. And I, I think that's clearly the case. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is somebody who had such a sense of, I mean, people think about his intellect, but there was such a sense of gratitude. Mm. I mean, I, I remember I felt like an idiot one day because he called. I was going through some stuff, and he called to check on me, and I talked. We talked for over an hour, and at the end of it, I found out he was going through chemotherapy Mm. then. Wow. And I was like, here, I've talked about my little trivial nonsense for Mm. this long. Mm. And his response, I will never forget because he said, you know, I'm in my 70s. I've got a wife I love. I've got great children who are all following the Lord, fantastic grandchildren. What do I have to complain about? Mm. And I, you know, that really struck me because I'm not at the place in my own spiritual maturity where that would be yeah. my response to yeah. that, I don't think. So. When you posted about him passing away, you talked about this like secret group of y'all. Yeah. They were in like a book club or something, right? We had two. We we have two secret groups. Yeah, that Tim was a part of. I'm not secret, but uh, one's a book club uh, that we. It, it's really the books are an excuse to yeah hang out and yes. encourage each other. Yes, um, and the other is a group that meets every Thursday that includes non Christians, Christians, everything. Um, and so Tim would be in that group with another friend of ours who's a complete atheist. Wow! And who would often uh, he he would often say, "I just I feel like I'm colorblind, like there's something there's a color you all can see of the spirit that I just can't see." Wow! But I watch the way Tim so patiently loved him and really was direct in terms of talking to him. And after he died, that was of all of the tributes, that was the one that struck me the most is this atheist talked about his character Mm. and said, I loved him. Mm. Wow. And he did. He he really did. Yeah. If people have not read Tim Keller yet, Uh do you have the like, this is the one or these are the two? Like, here's, here's how you can get to know Tim or glean the most from him. Uh, well, I think his reason for God yeah. is a really, really good and helpful one, especially for people who are trying to think through, is does this make sense? Mm-hmm. That's really good. And also to listen to the sermons. Yeah. I mean, they're just um, – there's just something about the way he was able to communicate. Yes. With, I, I think about all the time he talked about – one time he was preaching and there was a woman there who hadn't – Maybe this was her first time in church. And she yelled out, well, what about whatever? (laughs) Good on her. Yeah. (laughs) And he said, I had a decision to make because if I stopped and answered the question, we would never have preaching again. It would be, you know. Q&A time every yeah, week. Yeah. He said, and I also knew, though, that I couldn't ignore her. Yes. I said, so what did you do? And he said, well, I waited a little bit, 
and I answered her question just as though I had always planned to answer. <laughs> like now, it was in the sermon. Some of you might be asking, <laughs> which I thought just you may fully encapsulates yeah. who he is. And then after he talked to her and she was great. She just thought, you know, how do you do this? And yeah. he told her how. Yeah. What happens now when Tim Keller passes away? For starters, I don't know that I've seen people across our faith celebrate someone. Yeah. There I there may have been, and I just didn't see it. I didn't see any like, he was a good man, comma. Mm-hmm. Here's the article after the comma. Yeah. I just didn't see those. Well, part of that, part of that is Tim, the uniqueness yeah. of Tim. Part of it is the sadness of our time <laughs> sure. because we've seen so p- many people who haven't finished well. Yes. And not just because of scandal, but a-, a lot of times there's when someone's coming to the end of a ministry, there's a kind of fear of mortality, and it can bring out the worst in somebody. I mean, that's why we see so many church transitions that go really badly. Right. And that never happened with him. Right. Uh, So that's – I I wish – I hope, I pray we have the day where this is routine. Yeah. That that we would have so many people that we say, look at the character and integrity of that ministry. Yeah. For those of us, hopefully in the middle, right? I yeah. hope you and I are in the middle. I hope right. we're at like maybe halftime. I'm not even quite ready to be at halftime. <laughs> yeah. For those of us in the middle, what did you learn from being up close to him about finishing well? Like what can we go ahead and do? John Mark Comer always says, you're not deciding who you're going to be at 80 when you're 80. Mm-hmm. You're deciding right now. So what did you learn about finishing well from him now that we can start doing? Well, he intentionally i mean he stepped away from redeemer and and concentrated on the church planning network redeemer yes. city to city and he did that intentionally because he said i don't want the church to be in a situation where i'm holding on till the end and then there's an abrupt kind of transition i really do want to empower the church to go forward and he did mm-hmm. so he was always thinking about this and that's a hard thing to think about i'm sure yeah. when you get to that point a lot of people want to ignore that mm-hmm. and just keep going but he he really carefully reflected on it and the other thing is tim was an encourager in ways that people don't even know he uh. would he would call people and check on them and uh, pour his life into them in ways that people just don't I mean they think of Tim as preacher scholar but they don't really think of him as the pastor outside of Redeemer but he really was for a lot of people mm-hmm. and would kind of he knew the sorts of challenges people would face yeah uh, like when Tish Harrison Warren yeah. started writing a piece for the New York Times every week He said, we need to watch and encourage her because she's going to get a lot of blowback from people. And so we need to not leave her hanging out there by herself Mm -hmm. if she does. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's really forward thinking of how to care for somebody. Yeah, which I will publicly say you did that for me. Oh, thank you. When I was in a bad spot, you called and said, you all right? (laughs) I said, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not all right. You said, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be all right. But okay, if you say so, Dr. Moore, I believe you. Okay, let's jump into your new book, Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. I told you before we started, it feels like there's a little bit of a theme from the Holy Spirit across some books, across yours, David Platt, KB, these leaders of faith saying to us, America, you're off. 
Yeah. You're off, and we got to correct this. Yeah. How long ago did you know you needed to write this book? Did you know in 2016? Did it start back then? I think in 2016, I I knew I was going to have to write something like this, uh, but I didn't think it would be the way that it is. I, I thought really I was going to have to say, here's how we got off track, and now that we're all back together and congeal, let's not, let let's that not do again. it again. Yeah. I didn't dream that the craziness would intensify. Yeah. And that's what's happened. And it's a, a craziness that's not just in one area, but everywhere. I mean, literally 30 seconds before I sat down here with you, I got a text from a, a friend in a different denomination. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I'm in a non-denominational church, so I guess everybody's in a different right. denomination. <laughs> but he texted me and said, I'm really coming under fire. And it was for the most ridiculous thing, but where people were wanting to to narrow to such a degree and to come after him. It's just everywhere. And COVID, everywhere. we're still not over COVID uh, in terms of the, the wreckage that it has left in people's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see all of that coming, and of course, by that point, 2016, I had not experienced a lot of things that I experienced, and I also had not seen the church sexual abuse crisis to the degree yes. that I later did. Yes, I, I think maybe I thought I was going to write something in 2016, but it wouldn't have been this book. When I was reading it, I just kept thinking. Is this the kind of book that you you did so much research? There's so much stats and quotes and like you can't ignore this, y'all. <laughs> These are stats. I mean, the stat about 2070, how we will have less Christians in America than ever before by 2070 if we don't yeah. write this, you know. How much when you're sitting down to do this? How much are you going, I've just got to tell what I've just lived through and experienced because yeah. people need to know that there's a breaking down here that we can intercept if we try. Yeah. Why the stats? Why did have to why'd you have to bring in the science? Because I'm I'm trying to make the point this isn't just an anecdotal. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who would say, I know there's something wrong. And I, I can feel that in terms of what's going on, but I don't know what it is. That's one part of it. The second part of it is because I think there's a tendency for us to think, well, something will happen yeah, and just get us back to where we were before. Yeah. And that's just not that's just not the case. You do such a beautiful job. The thing that made me cry reading your book was talking about the nostalgia of church. Mm -hmm. Because I think that might be one thing that's holding me back and maybe our peers is I go like, I loved youth group. Like, I loved. I did too. In the book, when you start giving us like, here's what to do, the thing that broke my heart is you said, make peace with homelessness because church is not what it used to be. Yeah. Because that is how I grew up. I grew up that, that we were there. I, I used to joke if the doors were open and the Coke machine was taking a quarter, Me I was too. there. Me too. I was there. And it just, that isn't church anymore. Right? Yeah. And I, and that particular challenge, I was not just preaching to the choir. I was preaching to the preacher uh, because that's my it's so fatal sad. flaw as yeah. well. And it's one of those things, uh, a good friend of mine, he and my wife both said to me, your problem is not bitterness and resentment. 
Your problem is nostalgia. And yes. you go through and kind of edit out all of the bad things and, and just long for the good things. And even the week this book was published, this week, uh-huh. I heard myself saying to my wife, because we were watching a show that was set in the 90s. Yeah. And I said, weren't the 90s great? <laughs> Oh, wouldn't that be great to be back in the 90s? And this, I, this is the very thing yes. that I was writing about. Yes. What is that when people talk about Christian culture? Is my nostalgia about Christian culture? I don't think so. I think instead it's a nostalgia for the time in your life, in your life particularly, when there was – a newness, just because mm. of your stage of life and yeah. age, a newness to experiencing Christ and Christian community. I think yeah. that's a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, now, there is a lot of, of Christian culture that we kind of – I mean, I I think about all the time vacation Bible school, yeah. the way that my church did it, lining up at the front door with the flags yeah. and <laughs> pledging allegiance to the Bible and all of that. <laughs> I love that world. Yeah. And, and desperately would like that world back. Yeah. But and part of it is because it was a stable, cohesive kind of a place. Part of it is that I was a I was a kid learning how to be yeah, a disciple. Yeah, I, I just never thought it would be any different. Right. I just thought That's church right. was always going to be like on we had Wednesday night supper and a lot of our friends listening probably still do have Wednesday yeah. night supper. Yeah. You know, like I, I imagine there are places that that is still that they're going what do y'all talking about you know there was a song i didn't really get it at the time uh-huh. but this has been who knows how many years ago but amy grant had a song called 1974 uh-huh. and it was about her young adult life and youth group and everything yeah. and it was uh, as the years go by make it ever new as the years go by how i need to see that's still me wow. and there came a point where that song really started to make more sense. Mm-hmm. I think this conversation, this part of it, is why what's happened in the public space, what's happened in politics, has been particularly painful for so many of us. Yeah. It's yeah. because it has been, wait, I thought we'd always be. Yeah. And I didn't, none of us knew what was going on behind the scenes. Nobody. When I was in youth group in the 90s, I didn't know people were being sexually abused in youth group right. in the 90s. So, right. so there's that too, that there were certainly things going on. There are people listening who were in pain in that time yeah. that yeah. I didn't know about. But when we look at what's happened with politics, and you write about this really beautifully in Losing Our Religion, when you look at what's happened with the tying together of politics and faith, was that happening in the 90s? Was that happening in 1974? And it just wasn't. On social media? It was happening, but it was it was happening in a different way. I mean, we have we have moved into a place where for a long time there was a sense of, okay, what we're really about is gospel evangelism missions, and then there's some implications out here. And there was always a politicized group of people mm-hmm. uh, that were there. Yeah. But there came a point where that sense of meaning and purpose sort of fell away in American culture broadly. And this became paramount and not just paramount. It kind of what, – what we really see going on right now is I think about when I was a kid – these uh, Bible prophecy uh, conferences that yeah. people would have, and you could draw a huge crowd by saying, hey, I can tell you why 
we are right at the point of the rapture. Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah. terminal <laughs> generation. And it would give people this yes. sense of I'm I'm right here at the moment. You know, this is it's scary uh-huh. and yet it's exciting. That happens now, but it's been totally secularized. It's it's not right. about the rapture. It's about whoever the people are that you are afraid of are going to come get you. Are going you. to take over. And this is it. Yes. This is the this is the final moment. And the interesting thing is it feels like Christians feel that about each other. About each other, yeah. And so it isn't and maybe my what I experienced 20 years ago, 30 years ago was a fear of the church being overtaken by non-church. Yeah. And now it is the church being overtaken by another type Right. Of people who don't believe what I believe, people who are diametrically opposed and are definitely not Christians, but they say they are. Well, and you have a lot of people who grew up and have been part of churches or movements who suddenly find themselves exiles and who will say, I didn't change. (laughs) Right. And and so they're kind of accidentally uh, exiles and and the, the... Sort of the fear that comes through there is, I don't even know who you are anymore. Mm, mm. That always is disorienting and scary no matter what group you're in. Yes. But it's especially the case in a Christian setting, in a church setting, because there's a part of you, even even if you know better in your mind, there's a part of you for whom that feels like Jesus <gasps> yes. saying, depart from me, yes. you look at iniquity. You know, it really does. Yes. And you have to work through that. Yes. Uh, so that, that makes it especially and hard. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation to share about one of our amazing partners, Indeed. Hiring can be a ton of work. It is a ton of work. But Indeed helps you tackle that challenge and get you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. We're fans of Indeed around here. They've never steered us wrong. We've always found the right person for the right spot on our team. They're the experts at helping us find the best fit for the roles we want to build our companies with. Instead of spending hours, on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills. Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that really does help you do it all. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. The offer is good for a limited time. So claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. That link and pretty much every other link you could literally ever hope for are in the show notes or we send them every Friday in the AFD week in review email and the link to sign up for that is also in the show notes. So be sure you check those out. And one more amazing partner to tell you about today, ZocDoc. Okay. Do you know that feeling when you finally find the thing you've been looking for on the internet? After spending hours researching and reading thousands of reviews, you find it and it checks literally all your boxes and it has five stars. Oh, and it arrives in 48 hours. Right. That is a dream. So why is it that you can get the most random, wonderfully reviewed thing from around the world in just two days? But if you want to see a good doctor... 
They can take forever to get an appointment. Not to mention, how do you know if they're even good? Thankfully, there is a way. It's called ZocDoc, a place to find and book great doctors who actually have amazing reviews, many with appointments available within 24 hours. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance that are located near you and in treat almost any condition you're searching for. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately with just a few app taps. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You're getting your docs in order. That's my favorite line. You're getting your docs in order, you guys. So go to ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash that sounds fun. ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. Okay, now back to our conversation with Dr. Moore. You say in the book, I can't wait for people to see the picture on Instagram because I have so many tabs in here. The question is not whether we will deconstruct, but what we will deconstruct. And I think what you're saying is the work of Annie has been, can you deconstruct that the experience of church from your youth group years, from your childhood years, does not have to look like the experience of church now. Yeah. Can you deconstruct that that is God? Yeah. That was not God. That was what we knew to do then, and it's different now. Yeah. And also, I think it's uh, – I don't like the word deconstruct because it it doesn't – it can mean so many different right. things. Right, But I think at the level, all of us have to say constantly, okay, what was it that I've been holding on to that is – of Christ. Yes. And what is it that I've been holding on to that isn't? Because if you don't do that, what happens is once you see something that that turns out to be false yeah. or even worse, uh, evil, yeah. uh, then you think, okay, well, that was Jesus. It was the whole package and you have nowhere to, to go. Yes. You talk about in the book when you're giving us like, here's who we can be. You talk about the difference between, I want to find it, being a Bible reader and a Bible quoter. Yeah. And that's it, right? The only way we're going to, as we separate ourselves from our Christian culture, the only way to know what is Jesus is to be a Bible reader, not a Bible quoter. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people who are intimidated by the Bible because they assume you have to have memorized uh, all of these things. And, Bible and understand mem- it. Bible memory is great. Yeah, yeah. and understand it. Yeah. And, and you, have to, you have to know, here's what this means, and here are these applications, and here are the way that I can – the way the Bible works – you just have to be in it. Uh-huh. And what happens is it shapes the way that you, you're sort of your intuitions. You start to see things that you say, oh, wait, I recognize that. Yeah. That's what's happening to, to me or that's what's going on around me. And so that's why, you know, a lot of people, they start reading the Bible through and they get to Leviticus and they get just weirded out and they say, this has <laughs> nothing to do with me at right. all. And so right. they just stop. Right. When in reality, don't it, – it's okay to say as you're reading the Bible, I don't know what this means or what it has to do with me. Yeah. That's actually, I think, a good way to pray through the Bible mm. is to say, God, I don't understand Leviticus, 
but there's 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 something you need to shape in me yeah. with Leviticus. Yeah. And keep pressing. Yeah. Unfortunately, the word though that keeps bubbling up for me is forging. Yeah. Which is awful because that means it involves fire, right? I right, understand. Right, right. But I just, that is what I sense with the Lord as I was reading your book, as I'm kind of walking my life. And as we're starting to hear, I mean, the, the daily this morning was about the next election and yeah. how Biden and Trump are doing already, yeah. which is insane to me. Yeah. As we are forging our lives to be holy and to, and to allow God to forge us into who we want to be, how do we stick with the Bible when there are so many options. I mean, you talk about that we're in a time where there is no common set of facts. Yeah. Because everybody doesn't believe the Bible's all true anymore. Yeah. Yeah. What do we do? You know, I think <laughs> that's a big question. Sorry, I, I, Dr. Moore. <laughs> I, I think we're at a time where the bar is even lower than holiness as the oh. first step. Mm. It's humanity. Right. Because we're at a time where we tend to lose sight of ourselves or of other people as common human beings made in the image of God, even before we get to the daily crucifying of the flesh yeah. and coming to life in the spirit. I mean, that is gone yeah. uh, for, for many of us. And we we start to, everything then starts to become about political identity. Everything does. Yeah. When in reality, there are people who completely disagree with each other politically, but at the human level, they're able to connect with one another. And then certainly, of course, by the time you move into uh, holiness, people who share a common spirit to be able to do that. But right now, even just the humanity is hard. Yeah. We've just forgotten to at the baseline, they are made in the image of God. Yeah. Even. And part of that is, I think, Wendell Berry said one time that in a really small rural farming community like the one that, that he lived in, that you had to have prepaid forgiveness mm. because everybody needed each other. Wow. You you were you were going to you didn't have a, an internet circle of people to go and and talk to. You needed people who differed with you uh greatly. Yeah. And that part of it is is lost. We really don't see the fact that we need each other. No. And now I mean even I I've been listening to a conversation around values-based purchasing. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I hear that to some degree. Yeah. Um, if you want to support a small business, that okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the thing that happens to you and me, as authors and as public people, is people want to value based purchase us. <laughs> yes. That's right? right. So they want to understand everything. Yeah. They want to know what they disagree with. Yeah. And so they there is no. We need each other even if we disagree. It yeah. is, I need to know that Dr. Moore and I agree on everything yeah. or I will not support anything. Yes, and that, but that, the problem is that would be one thing if it were just with kind of public people. But that's the way that we're choosing our friends and choosing which family members we speak to now. So, I mean, someone told me not long ago about realizing that that there was a family text thread that they had always had. And there came a point where she realized, oh, wait, there are two family text threads and I'm only on one of them. Oh, wow. And I mean, that's so common right now. And it's because we think if we're not completely aligned, then we're enemies. Yes, and and we have to and then everything has to become a battle about that. Yes. You know, I I think about I was uh, teaching at a very secular university 
a year or so ago, and there was an atheist lesbian young woman who came to see me, and I thought she wanted to argue or or something. What she wanted was, she said, my parents have become evangelical Christians. They are great, but they're new Christians. They're in North Carolina. Can you kind of coach me on how to relate well to them? Wow. And are there certain certain minefields I ought to avoid so that I don't unintentionally uh, oh, offend wow. them? And I just stepped back and said, if that attitude were present yes. uh, everywhere, what a different country we would have. Yes. Because <laughs> she was seeing her parents not as a set of issues to argue with. Yes. She was seeing her parents as as her parents, even yeah. even though she disagreed with them. Yes. It's sometimes you, you look at that in people who aren't Christians and you think, wow. Wow. That's, we should be like that. We should be like that. That looks like Jesus. Yeah, it looks like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I find myself, I mean, you, you mentioned it, that they were evangelicals now. I find myself, when I'm defining myself, I say I'm Protestant. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm, I love Catholics, I'm very Catholic curious, yeah. I love what they're doing. I don't define myself as evangelical because it feels like it has so many knots tied in it. But if I say I'm Protestant, that's just identifying that I'm a believer that is not Catholic. Yeah. I'm Will not, you define them for me so I know what I'm— Yeah, I'm not ready to give up the word evangelical because uh-huh. it is such a beautiful word and really does yes. encapsulate uh, that there's a particular emphasis of— Personal new birth. Okay, yeah, that's so what. Tell me that. Tell me what's the difference between evangelical and Protestant when I'm well, defining myself. It's, it, it, you know, all evangelical or most evangelicals are Protestants, yep. but uh, but it's a it's a unique stream within Protestantism that's reminding everybody else. Uh, you come before God person by person, yeah. not group by group. The Bible is uh, the truth and speaks to us truthfully. Those sorts of emphases that are are necessary. So what I can't do, though, is to say I'm an evangelical Christian, period. Uh-huh. What you have to do at this point is to come in and say, okay, what do you understand when you hear the word evangelical Christian? Mm. And then explain it. You know, you do the same thing with Christian. Right. Somebody, somebody <laughs> right. says to you on a plane, I'm a Christian. Right. A lot of times what they mean by that is my, my parents christened me and I've just moved on with my life and, and haven't thought about Jesus since. You should see the dating apps, Dr. Moore. I, w- I want to make it clear I have not been on the dating apps. Yes, yes, yes. That's why I'm having to explain it to you, <laughs> dear everyone. Since my wife <laughs> listens to this podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, I, will, I can show you, but you don't know personally by any stretch. When we're thinking about this— Evangelical Christianity, I mean, this is what you're saying. This is an altar call for evangelical Christianity. Like, that is the sect stream of Christianity that is struggling the most? Am I, I'm, yeah. I'm asking a true or false question, I it, guess. Well, struggling in a different way. I mean, there, there are every stream of Christianity in America, just about, uh, except for some wings of Pentecostalism, uh-huh. are facing decline. They're facing conflict. They're facing these yeah. sorts of things. But there's a, I mean, the the surveys will show white evangelical. Uh, uh, once you disaggregate that from the rest yes. of evangelical Christianity, has a unique set of crises uh, yeah. right now. Yeah. And what I'm afraid of is cynicism in really either direction. Either what somebody can do is to say, 
okay, well, I'm just exhausted by this. I'm just leaving. Mm-hmm. Or somebody can say, and the second one I think is even more dangerous, is to say, okay, well, that's the game to play. Yeah. And so the, the way that I do this is to, is to do it like that. Yes. And then you have, you have more and more and more of it. And that, that's not sustainable. It feels like what, as I was reading through the book, it feels like the um, invitation is take your faith back to you and Jesus, that evangelical way, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. back into scripture, but get back into prayer, get back into Christian community mm-hmm. and let decisions flow from there where maybe what is costing us is we're starting in our political beliefs yeah. and and reversing back to, well, then that's the church I'll go to. Yeah. And I think find surprising, be open to surprising community. Mm. I mean, the, the thing that the number one thing that, and there's not even a close number two, number one thing that people say to me at places is, I thought I was crazy. Wow. Uh, well, there's a lot of that where people say, I, I feel like I'm crazy. And there are a lot of those people who think that and they think they're all by themselves. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I mean, the Bible just shows this over and over again, that there's something really disruptive. And then there's a new community being put together that's yeah. awkward. Yeah. Peter doesn't want to go to Cornelius's house. I mean, right, you know, right. these, these things are just really awkward. I mean, a lot of the New Testament is about Here's how you Jews and Gentiles who found yourself together in the same church need to uh, need to get along because yeah. it's not easy. So I think be be open to we, we all think about the divisions that are happening right now, but there's also a lot of new connections that mm-hmm. are happening, new communities that are forming too. What do you hope happens after people read this? Like what in a world where you just got to write the ending of the story? What does it look like? I I hope that it causes a group of people who sense that something's wrong, maybe they're exhausted by that, not to be afraid. Mm. And I mean, I'm struck by how often Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. And it's easy to be fearful uh, in in this time. And and we really, I, I think we need to regain a sense of confidence in the gospel that we've lost and one of the way and the the outside world can see that mm. because when they see this frantic sort of rage yeah you know, about everything my starbucks barista didn't say merry christmas and i'm outraged but right what people see about see in that are a group of people who are scared. Yeah, yeah. You call it a self-cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. where we're quieting ourselves. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, out of fear of what's going to happen if I say the thing I believe. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. And so we read losing our religion, and then we are able to say, okay, I can I can say who I am, what I believe, and and not be destroyed by the community. That's the hope. Not be destroyed by the community, and also not be. And be able to actually engage with your neighbors who disagree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's one thing that's that's really lost. And one of the reasons it's lost is the very thing that Jesus is getting in trouble for all through the Gospels. Wait, you're not supposed to be talking to them. Yes. Whoever them is. Yes. You shouldn't engage with them. Yes. That's a lack of confidence in the power of the gospel mm-hmm. and a lack of confidence in your own convictions, that has to be 
really shored up before we can love our neighbor and before we can share the gospel. I mean, for you, you are so good at modeling this. And also, President Trump says terrible things about you on Twitter. Right. And they're like literally a, a president of the United States knows your name. That has got to be feel the weirdest thing ever. You know, uh, people will often say because the, the time that he said I was a nasty man with no heart and a terrible representative <laughs> of evangelicals and all they represent. I still remember yeah, the, the I would people will say, did that devastate you? And I said, no, I actually have it framed on the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a lot worse that yeah. has been said and and Since, done. Yeah, you know, so yeah, because that's. I mean, how do we? I mean, that's my question. As I was reading this, and I've, you know, we've all watched what's happened in the SBC and watched the sexual abuse stuff come forward, and you leading the way in so many ways uh, with others, I'm sure, but of saying we have to get this right and we have to know what's true, and and yet. We're still called to love. Right. How in the world? I, you didn't name people in this book. Mm-hmm. You could have. Yeah. Why? Because I'm not interested in those particular people and, and, and what they did. I'm interested in people understanding and knowing, okay, here are the, here are the patterns that can show up. Uh. And so in my own life, I will often say to myself, okay, I'm I'm kind of starting to mentally go in a direction and I know where that leads uh, because that's that's been done to me. Wow. And so that's that's really what I'm interested in. I think if you if if in this book what I had done is to go in and say so and so did this and so and so did that and so and so did the other, it would seem as though those people were the problem. Right. And I don't think – I think the problem is a lot deeper than that. And I think a lot of the people are good people. Yes. Who – That's the problem. They're, yeah, good people it's with good genuinely people. good motives. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there, there are times I was in a, a quote-unquote heresy trial uh, one yeah. time. And I was uh, thinking through it, this is somebody I really like. And – I would probably have the same reaction he has if I had the point of view. That he yeah, has. that's the thing, right? Is that we're invited. I'm thinking so much because of this, especially this podcast I just listened to about the election coming and the guy even saying, we've never talked about the presidential election 18 months before whatever starts, yeah. but here mm-hmm. we are. And I think, man, the, the people who disagree with me, the people who have done unkind things, mm-hmm. the people who sat in the heresy trial with you, mm-hmm. They love God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They think they are doing – we could listen to two podcasts from two Christians who so deeply disagree with each other today. We could Mm -hmm. do that today. We could find Mm -hmm. those today. And they both think Jesus is telling them what to do, Dr. Moore. That's right. And and that's what – I think the important thing about that is not – to know that that's going on with them. You can't do anything really about them. But to know in your own heart and life, that is easy to happen. So, I mean, Jesus says, and I'm not comparing these two things at all. Jesus says they will, talking about persecution of the early church, they will think that they're doing service to God. Not yes. that they will say they are. They will think they are. So that that there's no equivalent of persecution of the early church to anything that's going on right now, at least in the in United America, States. Yeah. But 
it is true that there are all kinds of ways that we can think that we're doing service to yeah, God. Yeah, so how do we be sure we are? Help me. Well, I think one of the ways is to be really embedded in Scripture, and the other way is to know your own vulnerabilities. Ah, uh. You've got to shore that up because you've got to know, am I the person who's more given over to timidity and kind of just go along with whatever? If so, I need to really fuel the flame, Uh, as Paul would say, toward conviction. Or am I the kind of person that's given more over to quarrelsomeness and fighting? Well, then I'm not the person, if I am, I'm not the person to engage Uh. uh, on that. It's not good for me and it's not good for my soul. Yeah. And I mean, I always tell people it's kind of like I think it is great when churches have groups of people who are doing outreach in bars, nightclubs, and that's fantastic. The recovering alcoholics shouldn't be doing that. Right. Right. Uh, not because it's not a good thing to do, because it wouldn't be a good thing for, for them. them. All kinds of other things they can do. Yeah. And so knowing yourself enough to know this is my typical kind of pattern is helpful. Yeah, that is – when I hear and read scriptures like that, I'm always like, oh, like, I, please, Jesus, don't <laughs> let me be doing that. Don't let me be the one yeah. who's deceiving myself. Right, that, right. That I will think, well, I, this is exactly what God would have me do. I need to be really loud about this thing. And then it is. Yeah. Well, I, you uh, make mistakes and you recover from those mistakes. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about Thank Tim you. Keller. I was on a panel with Tim one time when someone asked us, what are your blind spots? Uh-huh. And Tim looked at me and then looked at the questioner and said, if we knew what our blind spots were, they wouldn't be <laughs> right. blind spots. Right. Yeah, I guess it's true. I mean, a, a lot of it is knowing there's a lot that I don't know yeah. about my own motivations and my context. So I'm going to be open to Ugh, shifting gears. Yeah, and open to other people telling me. Open to me. other people, yeah. People in my life, not people on the internet. Right. Open to my mentor, right. my counselor, right. my small group, those people telling me. I wonder if that's how we keep our faith. Yeah. Is if we get very self-aware <laughs> yeah. and get in community that says, hey, every time you tweet, it's to fight with someone. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that works both ways. If you think, look at uh, Paul talks about your, your one body, your many members, there are different gifts uh, that are given to people. There are also different sets of vulnerabilities that, that people come with. Yeah. So just as you need to know, okay, how can I serve within the church and other people need to be encouraging you in that direction. Yeah, The same thing is true in terms of vulnerabilities. So one of the things that we can do with one another is to say, okay, I'm not going to put that person into a place that's that's going to be harmful to him or her. And so I have uh, I have a friend who now because one of the most terrifying thing in the world to me is to get a text that says praying for you. Dr. Moore, I know. <laughs> it is terrible because yes. then you're like, what is going what on? What have I not what seen? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, and so I have a friend who knows that. Yes. And so what he'll do is to say, there's nothing going on. <laughs> uh, I just happen to be thinking about you, not yeah. for any reason other than the Spirit, just to say I'm praying for you. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. that, that In the day of social me media, the day do you need to warn media. us if right. you are. I have a friend here in town that did not know the internet was yelling at him until someone from Texas texted and said, hey, I'm sorry for everything that's going on. And he was like, 
I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Because yeah, he like was I, canoeing that day or something. I usually don't either because I don't I don't look at right. random I mean I, I care about what people I respect and, and people I love mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. I don't care about what random random people on the internet think. Yeah. And if you do You'll drive yourself crazy. Well, that's one of the things after I had a run-in last summer where you checked on me and Beth Moore checked on Everybody uh-huh. was very kind and said praying for you. My counselor walked me through this really helpful practice where when I see a stream of comments that are unhappy with me for whatever reason, I in my mind, I color code them. Even though they're all in one color, mm. I color code them. They stay black just like we see if yeah. it's someone that I don't know at all. I have never seen them. They just enjoy the work we do or they don't. And they're here yeah. because they don't. If it is someone that I've had interaction with, it works its way up the color chart. Mm, so they're like green because I've known them on the internet and we've we've connected a few times. I recognize their face. And, mm-hmm. and then it gets to the use of the world. The people who are like in my life, we don't see each other a ton, but they're yellow or orange. Mm-hmm. Like if you're saying something to me, I should pay attention. And then mm-hmm. the very top is like my parents right. and my friends and the people who have my phone number that use it normally. Right. You know, and so because if I'm seeing all red and yellows, then I need to really, those are people who can call my blind spots. Yeah, that's right. And so that has been so, I mean, it it helps It helps when people are telling you how great you are. Because if you also can't believe yeah. all the colors when they're telling you how great you are. That's right. It's that's not right. just when you're in trouble. I just read a, an interview. I can't even remember who it was, a comedian who said, Everybody who comes up and talks to me thinks I'm the greatest person in the world, and yeah. everybody on Twitter hates me. Yes. He said, so one of two things is true. Yeah. It's either that I'm two completely different people or those aren't really the reliable gauges. I mean, you say that in this book, too, because truly the majority of people are in the middle. The majority of the people are not. But but see, this is what happens, and it doesn't just happen on social media. It, it happens in churches and in small groups and other places is that when you have a group of people who are coming in who really just want to fight, they want to fight, and they're choosing the issues later. Uh-huh. Let's, uh-huh. let's have the fight, and then let's figure out what to fight about. When, when that starts happening— normies tend to get quiet yep. because they think, you know, that's going to be really embarrassing to those people. And so let's just get quiet and let it go and let away. It see what happens. Yep. And then it doesn't. And then those people start to withdraw. Mm-hmm. And so they start to then disengage. Yep. And that's, that's what I do. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I'm sure you have a, fruit, a group text like this, but there's a group text with friends of mine who are public. And when when something happens and they get yelled at, often they will say, don't do anything. Just text yeah. me. Don't do anything publicly because you will get sucked into this, too. So yeah. thank you for loving me. But don't do anything publicly. Yeah. And I've said that I've said to people, thank you for checking. Just stay quiet and this and let me just I'll take this one. And, you know, yeah. because it, the mob turns so quickly. It, it does. It yeah. is wild. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, I mean, and this is the case just in American life generally. There are a lot of people who find significance in attacking. Yeah. And so if they can. And having a viral uh, tweet about it. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times I'll say to people who are really kind of worked up about this. If you respond to this person, you're actually, you might as well write a check. Because, <laughs> you said a similar thing to me. Yeah. Like that, yes. Because you're, you're, you're fueling it. Yes. And, and, and people start to think then, okay, well, that's the way 
that I get the attention uh, of somebody is mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that can happen with a small group leader, a pastor, yeah, or anybody right. else. That does not have to be public. Uh-uh. Well, it is public because it's out right. of your house, but it does not have to be on social media. It can be trying to get attention of the people at the pool right. beside you right. or the other moms at the PTA meeting. Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Pros. Okay, I know you've heard me sing the praises of Pros, and they're truly custom-made-to-order hair care, but switching to a custom routine from Pros was one of the best things I've ever done for my hair. In fact, I just finished my shampoo and conditioner last night, and I need my new bottle. You guys join over 1 million people who've taken their hair consultation quiz. We love a quiz. And they ask you questions on everything from the climate where you live to the issues you have with your hair, your hair type and texture and your eating habits. They analyze 85 personal factors and then handpick clean ingredients to get you closer to your hair goals with every wash. Because of pros, my hair is softer and stronger and more manageable than it's ever been. They took my answers to their in-depth hair quiz and created this unique formula for my answers. And if I have to change my answers, you know, because the seasons change or my hair changes or I'm in New York in the fall instead of Nashville, their review and refine tools allow me to go in and tweak my information so I can make sure I'm getting the most helpful to me formulas. Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. If you're not 100% positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take their products back, no questions asked. Custom made to order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Literally, your name's on the bottle. It's adorable. Take your free in depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. So go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P R O S E.com slash that sounds fun for your free in depth hair consultation and 15% off. And now let's go back and finish up this really great conversation with Dr. Moore. Okay, my last question before we ask you the fun one. When you're thinking about the election that's coming, talk to us about postures we should start taking now, postures in prayer, postures in community. Barring a miracle, it is going to be really divisive again, right? I'm afraid it won't be, but not for good reasons. Yeah, I'm afraid that we have kind of normalized so much craziness and meanness that we don't even notice things that previously wow. would have been absolutely shocking to us. You think we'll just disengage? I, I don't know. I, I just wow, I th- and I think more. that people have kind of sorted as well. I mean, part of the real one of the reasons why the 2016 election, uh, for instance, particularly was so divisive is because people are saying. I can't believe yes. that you're whatever. I think that has kind of sorted, not necessarily for good reasons, uh, a lot of times for bad reasons. So I, I don't think it's going to be the same thing. What I do worry about is I worry about violence hmm. uh, in in this country. And, I mean, you can only – use the sort of rhetoric that we've seen for so long. We've already seen violence yes. uh, happen, and that worries me a lot. And that's going to that's going to have to take a lot of people who have moral clarity mm. and who really do love their country yes. to step into that and to say, wow. no, 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 that's not that's not going to be the people we're going to be. 
our friends listen to this, but I have these sticky notes on my wall in my house and it's what I pray for. It's because mm-hmm. I, if I don't put it in front of my face, it's not going to happen. So yeah. it's hanging up the real big ones. And you're, you're discipling me in this to be like, I, I just want to start praying against violence. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought to pray that that's actual a spiritual demonic thing that we can pray against. Yeah. And and we also to have the posture of saying, I don't know what we're headed into. Yes. I mean, think about, uh, I think about a lot of the time, uh, New Year's Eve 2019, mm-hmm. planning my year. <laughs> And there is none of that 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 we could have seen coming at all. So to have a a sense of I really can't roadmap all this out because I don't know what's coming. I just know the kind of person I need to be in that moment. That's what I can work on. Wow. That's really helpful. Thank you for writing this. I cannot wait for people to read this. This is the one that I'm like, okay, small groups, go in together, talk about it. Okay, churches, go in together, you know, neighborhoods, like – if you're in a book club, this is a this is a good one. Thank Switch you. from your novels and pick up losing our religion, so y'all can talk about it. This is I, we rotate in our book club. Uh, who gets to pick, and no one else has a vote. It's very um, dictatorship yeah. every month. Yeah. So I will be suggesting <laughs> losing our religion. Strongly suggesting it when it's my turn. Okay, you know the last question we always ask, Doctor Moore, because the show is called "That Sounds Fun." Tell me what you are doing for fun in the Moore House right now. We have rabbits. Do you that we are <laughs> that we are watching, but in your house or outside? Out, in they're the yard? outside. They're on the porch. Okay, but they're they're somebody gave gave them to us for a little while to keep, and it has been the best thing. You know, we kind of let them out on the porch yeah. at night, yeah. and it's just a calming. How thing. many? Three. It's a mom okay. and two babies, and okay. uh, this is today. <laughs> right. Just today, uh, Maria, my wife, had gone out, and she, the the mother rabbit, uh-huh. had uh, had somehow gotten out, oh, and wow. so she got her, and she got scratched up. Oh no! So she had told me that, but really early this morning. Yeah, she was still on her mind. I'd forgotten about it, <laughs> and so I said, "I'm leaving. I'm going to go uh, be with Annie Downs." And I was getting all my stuff together, and Maria said. Do you think she has rabies? And I said, <laughs> Annie? And she said, No, the rabbit. <laughs> so. You're like, what do you know about Annie that I've not seen? Oh my gosh. Okay, rabbits. That's I mean, it doesn't take much to bring joy, does it? That does. Just a couple no. of rabbits on the back porch yeah. remind us that the world is gonna be all right, That's right in the long run. Well, thank you for doing this. Thanks for making time to come over here. Oh, I'm thank so you. grateful. Oh, y'all, isn't he just brilliant? I know. It is amazing when we get to have guests on that are so smart and so kind, that are so humble and so knowledgeable. (laughs) Your host is not all those things, but Dr. Moore is all of those things. And I am just, gosh, I'm so grateful. So grab a copy of Dr. Moore's book, Losing Our Religion. Follow him on social media. Thank him for being on the show today. If you need anything else from me, you know, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. Don't forget, you can find the That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram at That Sounds Fun Podcast. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me, I know I've said it a lot, but listen, it is still true. I want to go walk at Radnor Lake. That is what I want to do. So I'm going to make that happen, I hope, really soon. Y'all have a great weekend. Get some rest. We'll see you back here on Monday. Listen, this conversation on Monday with Sissy Goff is for every parent out there and every aunt, every uncle, everybody who is speaking into the lives of kids. We're going to talk about how to deal with the worry that is in us as 
leaders, as parents, as the adults in the room that may be affecting the anxiety in the kids around us. So come hang with me and our friend Sissy Goff on Monday. We'll see y'all then.